Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week, we began a brand new series called Ready or Not. Next week, we are going to take a break from this series just for Father's Day, and then we will conclude this series the following Sunday. Last week, we explored the second coming of Christ, and and I told you that one of the biggest mysteries in the Christian faith is the question, when will Christ return? It is something that we just don't know. Though many have tried to predict his return, according to Scripture, no one knows the day, no one knows the hour. Jesus said he doesn't even know the day or the hour, that the Father determines that, and that he is just waiting for the Father to say, go, get my children, go receive your bride, and that is the day that that Christ will return. And though we may not know what day he is coming on, we do know what kind of day he is coming on. And that's what we talked about last week. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus describes that day. And he said that the day of his return, as he described it, he basically described it that it will look like any other day. It it could be today. As I said last week, I may not get to finish this sermon before he comes. Even so come, Jesus. Okay, but trust me, we don't need the desserts over there. If he comes... We'll be all right. I'll get to that in a minute. Jesus Jesus told us that not all will make it. And this is very sobering for us because we are a church that preaches grace and we want people to receive God's grace. And there is a season that you are able to receive God's grace. But Jesus told us that not everybody will make it. He said some people will be left behind. He said two people will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two people lying in a bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. And so not everybody gets to go. It's his will that all should go, but, but not everybody will be ready. And so his coming is for those who are eagerly awaiting for him to return. That's what he said. I'm coming back for those who are eagerly awaiting his return. And I told you, we've got to develop a hunger and a desire for the return of Christ. We've got to do that. That's who he's coming back for, and we need to develop that hunger. Before I get into today's teaching, I wanted to let you know that this Wednesday night, I will be teaching on the subject, what happens when I die? What happens when I die? It's a question that so many of us have, and, and I may not cover all the details of what you're looking for today or during the series. And so Wednesday night, I want to make sure that I cover some of those details. And so we're going to be right here Wednesday night, 7 p.m., right here in this room. I will be speaking about what happens when I die. There was once a rich man who was near death, and, and he was very grieved because he worked so hard for so many years for his wealth, and, 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 and it paid off for him this side of heaven. He was a very, very wealthy man, and he wanted to take his wealth with him, and that's why he was grieved. You know, I've worked hard my whole life. Why can't I take this with me? And so he begins to pray. Every night he would get down on his hands, or get down on his knees and, and fold his hands next to his bed, and he would begin to pray that God would allow him to take some of his wealth with him. And there was an angel that, that heard his plea and and appears to him one night and says, sorry, but you cannot take wealth with you. And and the man then implores the angel to speak to God on his behalf to see if he might be able to just bend the rules a little bit and allow him to take some of his wealth with him. 
The man every night continued to pray that his wealth could follow him. And the the angel later reappeared and informed the man that God had decided to allow him to take one suitcase with him. That's it. Just one suitcase. God said he'll approve that, but everything else has to stay. And the man was overjoyed at this news. And so he went and found the largest suitcase that he could possibly find. And he filled it very carefully with pure gold bars. Just all these gold bars. Just lined them up real nice. Got as many in the suitcase as he possibly could, zipped it up, put it next to his bed, and slept with his hand on it so that if he died, he is carrying the suitcase into eternity. And sure enough, soon later, the man dies, and and he shows up at the the gates of heaven, and he's greeted by St. Peter. And St. Peter sees the suitcase that the man is pulling behind him, and he says, I'm sorry, sir, you can't bring that suitcase through these gates. That's got to stay out there. You cannot take it with you. But the man explains to St. Peter that he has permission from God Almighty, and and he asks him, please go and verify my story with the Lord. And and sure enough, St. Peter checks, and he comes back, and he tells the man, he says, you're right. You're allowed one carry-on bag. That's all you get, one carry-on bag. But, but God said that I'm supposed to check its contents before letting you through. And so I need you to unzip the bag and let me look at what you are carrying into heaven with you. And St. Peter uh, opens the suitcase and he begins to inspect the worldly items that the man found way too precious to leave behind. And Peter looks at him and exclaims, why did you bring pavement Some of you will get that on the way home today. For many of us in the room, heaven is such a mystery. We we know from enough country songs that there are streets of gold. We know, but beyond that, heaven is such a mystery to us. We don't know about the new heaven and the new earth, I will I'll remind you. It says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And and we will be able to populate both. We will be able to go between the two. There's so many things I want to tell you today, and there's so many details. And and I'm going to go ahead and say there, there are some basic doctrinal things that I'm going to cover with Scripture. But I encourage you, please, please explore your Bible. Read it for yourselves. Make sure that you have a good understanding because we base our faith on on two things. That that one, Jesus Christ died for our sins and through him we get to heaven. And the second part of that is that there is an eternal life. That there is a heaven that we get to go to. And we know that there's streets of gold, but there's so many things of the day-to-day living that we are just lost on. And I want to just kind of blow up some of your misconceptions of what heaven is like. Because I can assure you that we are not all going to be these little fat cherubs floating around on clouds playing our harps. I I can assure you that's not it. It's beautiful pictures. It's beautiful paintings and and such. But that's not what heaven will be like. I I know because it wouldn't be heaven to me. I don't even like kids. So uh, I like your kids, but I don't like most kids. But yours is precious. I tell you, that's... But if we were all little babies floating around playing harps, I promise you that would not be heaven to me. Heaven is not this peaceful bliss of sitting by the river of life, dipping our toes in the water. That's not what it is. Heaven is not just an eternal worship service. Contrary to what you were probably taught as a child, we're not going to stand around singing praise songs all day long. That's not what heaven is. There will be moments of praise in heaven. 
But it's not going to be like that all the time. And, and here's what I believe. Honestly, I believe when we finally see Jesus face to face, we will want to worship him. I think they're going to have to pull us away and say, hey, you know, Jesus needs a break for a little while. Why don't you go over here and play in the streets of gold? You know, why don't you do that? You know, I believe that it's going to be like that. I believe we're going to want to, but it's not just going to be an eternal worship service all the time. And we've created this, this idea of what heaven is like, and it almost sounds boring to us. Some of the things that we've been taught about heaven, it just doesn't, it just doesn't become appetizing for us. Many, many Christian people, they crave this life more than they do heaven. And, and the, the, the reason why is because we have made it sound so boring. And the reason we've made it sound so boring is because we, we have been taught. Now, don't, I don't want to offend anyone, but please listen to me. We've been taught from, this elder, from the elderly who are at the end of their life that heaven is just worship and rest. And, and no offense, but, but we cannot get a realistic glimpse of heaven from someone who is tired of life. And I get it. You deserve to be tired of life. You've been through a lot. They've been through so much, but that should not be what we try and wrap our minds around. That should not be the glimpse of heaven that we agree on just because their body is worn out and needs to be replenished. And so they've convinced themselves that heaven is just this peaceful rest. And to many of us in the room, that sounds boring. Now, for some of us in the room, we're like, man, I need a break. I need a break. So, I, you know, resting for eternity, that would be fantastic. But let me tell you what's going to happen. Those who are older in their faith and older in their, in their walk of life, when they get to heaven and they get that, that new glorified body, when they receive that, they're going to have this sudden burst of energy and they are going to be ready to run and play and worship and, and everything else that heaven has to offer. They are going to be ready for it. Heaven is not going to be boring. Did you know in heaven there's going to be books to read? Read it research it in your Bible. There's books to read in heaven. There are horses to ride in heaven. There's food to eat in heaven. I said there's food to eat in heaven. And if I didn't mention it, there's food to eat in heaven. Man, I am looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? There's going to be food in heaven. We get to eat in heaven. It's not going to be boring because anytime there's good food around, it's not going to be boring. And there's food in heaven. And, and it's very possible, it's very possible that we will be able to teleport in heaven. Please don't ruin this for me. I have dreamed my whole life. If you have a verse or scripture that, that, that contradicts this, please don't ruin this for me. I am dreaming of being able to teleport in heaven. And I'm really hoping because in his glorified body, Christ was able to teleport. And that's what I'm holding out for, man. I'm like, yes, please, please let us be able to teleport. He could also, in his glorified body, Jesus could fly. This is good stuff, man. See, all the, all the young kids in the room, they're all sitting up straight now. They're like, really, I can fly? After his resurrection, Jesus met with his disciples to give them their final instructions. And after he'd finished, the Bible says, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible says that he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. It sounds like a scene from Iron Man, doesn't it? This Superman, something. I mean, just, I love those scenes where they just kind of, you know, do this and then they're gone, man. That's it. <laughs> And that's what I picture, man. I do. Please don't mess this up. Man, I'm telling you if, you, if you ruin this for me, I'm just... 
In his resurrected body, Jesus could fly. And it gives me good reason to believe that when we are, uh, receive our resurrected bodies, we will also be able to fly. And, and man, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to that stuff. It's amazing. I want to turn to John chapter 3 this morning. John 3. I know we're very familiar with John chapter 3 and verse 16. John 3, 16. And, and we'll read it in just a moment. But I want to start reading today at verse 12. John chapter 3 and verse 12. Jesus is speaking and here's what he has to say. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe... How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's those two words right there. Jesus said, if we believe in him, we don't perish, but we have eternal life. Not eternal rest. We get to experience eternal life. A life worth living, by the way. Everlasting life. It's hard for us to, to, to contemplate this. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around this, that, that we will never die, that we will always live. It's everlasting, eternal life, that we will always be living and if we're going to always be living I don't know about you but I need a glorified body if I'm going to live that many days amen I, I need that because the body I have right now is becoming wore out and, and it's just not going to work there and, and so the the good news that I want to share with you today is this the first thing that happens when you get to heaven is that you get a new body amen no, 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 no. See, some of you, you wake up every day, you get out of the shower, and you stand in front of that full-length mirror, and you have to look at that body every day. You should amen a whole lot louder than other people in the room. Amen? You get a new body when you get to heaven. Amen? I don't know what the dimensions look like. I don't know what this, what this physique looks like. I have no idea, but here's what I do know. It's going to be better than the body we have right now. Amen? We get a new body one day, and this should excite us because the current pain and problems that you have with your current body will cease to exist in eternity. Everything down to your hangnail will cease to exist in eternity. You won't have that ache and that pain. There in our first service, I looked over here at Sam Hersom, who was in a wheelchair. I looked at Sam and I told him, Sam, one day, man, one day you will not have that body. You will have a glorified body. And I told him one day you'll be able to fly like Iron Man. I mean, his face lit up, man. One day we will not have to deal with all of the corruption that happens to these bodies, these physiques. We will not have to deal with that. We will have that glorified body to live all through eternity. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 explains what, it, what this, these bodies are like. 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 50, says, Paul says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Listen to what Paul says. He says, listen, we're not all going to die. We're not all going to sleep. Not all of us are going to get there by way of the grave. But every one of us will be changed is what he says. So there's two ways to get to heaven. You'll either die or Jesus comes back, receives you as part of his bride, and you get to experience heaven. And no matter how you get there, everybody has, uh, will get a new body. We will have that glorified body. And so he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting man promise that these old bodies will cease to exist but yet we will still have bodies that will not decay bodies that will not fall apart i know that some of the younger people in the room you just can't relate i know you feel indestructible right now you feel like you will live forever in that beautiful body that you have right now i know up until six years ago I didn't have a pain in the world. I'm telling you, very few times in my life have, have, have I hurt. Six years ago, it was a jet ski accident, and it threw something out of whack with my system, and I have not had a pain-free day since. And man, I'm telling you, I cannot wait. I can't wait for the day that the perishable puts on the imperishable, that the mortal puts on immortality. There's people in this room with much more severe aches and pains and dilemmas than what my body has to deal with. And I know that, that as I talk about this, you just can't wait for the day that you will have that glorified body as Christ did. And one day I know we will have that immortal body. As I teach today, I want to be very clear on, on this one fact here. And so please listen to me. If you miss everything else that I say, don't miss this part. Don't, don't misquote me, don't misjudge me, don't mistweet me. Please listen to me because this has happened before here in this church and, and we had someone that was visiting us and I was doing a baby dedication and I told the parents that one day that child's gonna grow up and they're going to have to give an answer for their salvation. Um, you know, once they reach the age of accountability, this person had their mind made up when they walked in this church, they wanted to find fault with me. They walked out of here, went to another church in town and started telling everybody that Pastor Rocky doesn't think that children go to heaven. And it was one of the most ridiculous things. I mean, I, I, that couldn't be more farther from the truth. I believe that children go to heaven. I do believe that one day they reach an age of accountability and at that age they will have to give an answer for whether or not they trust Jesus Christ with their lives. But, but so I don't want you to walk out of here today and, and misquote me on what I'm about to teach you. This is so important. So, so, so listen close because I've got to lay a foundation for the next few moments in order for me to share some, some revelation with you, for me to, to teach you. I need to... I need to make sure that you have a good understanding of what I believe and, and ultimately what this church believes. We cannot do anything to get to heaven 
except receive the work of grace that has been extended into our lives through Jesus Christ. You can't do enough good to get to heaven. You can't. You can't get life right enough times to earn your way into heaven. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Not because of anything we had done is what he said. Titus 3 and 5 says he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, let, let me tell you what this means for us. Try as hard as you want to. Work for the kingdom of God. Work hard for the kingdom of God. But don't think for one moment that that is going to get you to heaven. You can give to the poor. You can volunteer around the church. You can help people park their cars. You can greet people at the doors and pass out bulletins. You can wipe kids' noses and rears in the nursery if that's what you like to do. You can teach children to memorize scriptures. You can cook for the dessert auction if you want to. You can serve at brunches, mow the grass, clean the toilets, play in the band, sing every Sunday, set up and tear down chairs. But don't think for one second that it's going to earn you a ticket to heaven. Because that's not what gets you there. Jesus Christ is the only thing that gets you to heaven. A relationship with Jesus and believing that he is the son of God and calling him your savior, that is the only way that you get to heaven. He said, no man comes to the father except through me. You don't get to heaven. You don't get to experience the presence of the Lord unless you first give your heart to Christ. And so everybody in the room has to understand that before we go any farther with this. You can work as hard as you want to, and you're still not any more saved than someone who accepted Jesus Christ yesterday. It's a level playing field at the foot of the cross, and you've got to realize that. When Jesus was hanging on a cross between two thieves, he completely destroyed a works-based salvation mentality. He shattered it. Because while he was on that cross, one of the thieves sarcastically harassed him and challenged him that if he really was the Son of God, save yourself. But the other thief hanging on the cross looked at Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded with, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. Now what's interesting about this story is that this man didn't have a chance to do good. Hanging on a cross, he believed that Jesus was the Son of God, said, remember me, he was calling him his Savior, I'm putting my life in your hands. And at that moment, that, that young man's life was secured for eternity. He was believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. His past and what he did or didn't do for the kingdom of God were not in question. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and he put control of his destiny into the hands of Christ. He went to be with Jesus that day, but he never had a chance to do anything good. He didn't make it on his own merit. He made it because of a decision to let Jesus be his master. So if that's true, if we really believe that, then why do we do what we do? Why are there some of us that we 
We work tirelessly for the kingdom of God. Why are there some people that they want to volunteer time? Why are there some people that they want to give to the poor? They want to serve their community. If none of that matters, why? Why then do we do things like that? If we can't earn our salvation, why are we doing these things? Sure, there's a satisfaction in seeing people come to Christ. But is there something more? Is there an eternal reward for our works? Because I don't know about you, church, but I personally love reward programs. I do. I love reward programs. And, and some of them know that I really like them because they keep sending me stuff. Like, like Ace Hardware. Anybody ever get the little $5 cards from Ace Hardware? Anybody else in the room? So I'm not by myself. See, you're making me feel less special right now. Every so often, I don't know if it's once every other month or something, I'll get this little $5 rewards card. And, and it's as good as cash, basically. I'll walk into Ace Hardware, and, and uh, you know, once they ring everything up, I lay down this card, they scan it, it takes $5 off my bill. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. it. It has an expiration date on it, so it'll be sitting up on my dresser or, or on my desk, and, and I'll see it, and I'll watch that expiration date. If, if nothing has happened, if, if I don't need, you know, another tool or light bulb or, or whatever it is, if nothing has happened, right before that thing expires, I will go into Ace Hardware and I will look around because I'm getting my $5, you know? <laughs> I love reward programs. I do. And, and I will walk around and I will buy something that costs more than $5 because they won't give you the change, the difference back. So I, I will intentionally get something more than $5. I will lay it down and I'll scan it. And, and I'm a sucker. I know I am. I'm a sucker. They've got me. It, it's... It's the enemy working against my, my desire for reward programs. There's no better satisfaction than standing there waiting to pay your bill at Backyard Barbecue and you pull out of your wallet the, 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 the little card where you have enough lunches now that you have purchased and, and now this one is free. And you're like, or, or. You're sitting there in your car and you're reaching to your cup holder and you pull out one of those sleeves from the blend coffee shop. And your baristas, they have punched enough of the holes in the card to where now your next drink is on the house. It's a rewards program and we all love rewards programs, don't we? Amen? We love rewards programs. And so, is there a rewards program in heaven. Now, for some of you, this is about to be very educational, and, and I'm not going to take much more time, but I, I need you to focus in on this because the answer is yes, there is a rewards program in heaven. After salvation is obtained through the actions of Jesus and not ourselves, our spiritual work ethic comes into play. What we have done for the kingdom of God will be rewarded in heaven. Whether you believe it or not, that is what God's word says. What you do on earth for the kingdom of God will determine your reward once you get there. I'll tell you what I'm saying. I'm bold enough to say it out loud. In heaven, not every person gets the same reward. Our rewards will be different. Here, here's the ultimate reward. We all get to see Jesus. Amen? We all get to see Jesus. So that's the greatest reward. But we will not all get the same reward from there. We put such a significance on earthly rewards, raises, bonuses, new cars, new homes. We place such value on those things. 
But think about this with me, church. If we knew that our eternal reward was dependent upon what you did while you were on earth, would that change your mentality about how you serve the kingdom of God? I want to make sure that you're getting this. I want to make sure everybody understands this. If you knew that your eternal reward was dependent upon how you serve the kingdom of God now, would you do it differently? Would you place more value on serving the kingdom of God if you knew that it would pay dividends in eternity? Listen to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. John, in part of this vision that God gave him, verse 12, he says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. John says, when I saw that great judgment day, when I saw it, he said, people were being judged by what they had done. And and it leads us to believe that our actions and what we do for the kingdom is recorded in a book. They were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done, is what he said. That heaven is keeping a record of what you have done for the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, is what he said. Where moth and rust do not destroy. Jesus was giving us this warning, saying, listen, you can buy everything you want to. You can invest money here on this planet. But he said, there are eternal rewards in heaven, and you need to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Don't believe me if that's not proof enough. Matthew 16 and 27, Jesus said, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. He will reward us according to what we've done. Revelation 22 and 12, he said, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Make no mistake, church, you are saved according to your faith, but you are rewarded by your works. That what we do here on this planet, it matters. And there are eternal rewards that once we get there, you will be rewarded for what you have accomplished here on this planet. There was a bus that was carrying only ugly people. Only ugly people were on the bus and... So nobody in here was on that bus, obviously. But this this bus carrying only ugly people crashed into an oncoming truck, and everybody inside the bus died. And so as they were standing in line at the pearly gates, waiting to enter into, into paradise and meet their maker, God felt sorry for them. And this tragic way that they died and the fact that they were all ugly, God felt sorry for them and what they had, had experienced in life. And so they're all lined up, and, and God asked the first one, He said, I want to give you a wish. I'm going to give each and every one of you a wish. One wish. Just tell me what it is. As you enter in, you know, give me a wish and and I'll grant it for you. And so the first one was so excited. Didn't take him no time at all. And and he just said, I just want to be handsome. I want to be handsome. God snapped his fingers and the guy was handsome. 
walked right in, walked into heaven, ugly his whole life, walked into heaven and now he's handsome. The second one, she said, oh, I want to be gorgeous. God snapped his fingers and she was gorgeous. The next one, I want to be pretty. God snapped his fingers and she was pretty. And this keeps going on one after another. They're following the lead of the one in front of them and they're all asking for God to grant them the wish for them to be more beautiful, be more pretty, or, 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 or to be gorgeous. About 10 people from the back of the line, God is granting wishes and he hears this guy just dying laughing. The very last person in line is just dying laughing back there. And by the time God finally gets back there to him, this guy is rolling on the floor laughing out loud. And finally, God reaches him and he says, he says listen, what will your wish be? And the guy finally calms down. He's like, okay, God, okay, I got this, I got this. Make them all ugly again. <laughs> now listen to me. Aren't you glad, listen to me, aren't you glad that your reward in heaven is not determined by any other person? Listen to me. Your reward in heaven is not determined by any other person. You get to determine your reward. You had nothing to do with your salvation. Your eternal life was guaranteed through Jesus Christ. But your reward in heaven, you are the only person who gets to determine that. Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can give it to you. You are the only one in your life that can determine what your rewards are when you get to heaven. And I know that you've heard the expression, that's another jewel in your crown. You know, somebody does something nice for someone or someone serves in a great capacity. And, and we say those words, that's another jewel in your crown. And, and it's not quite accurate. It's close, but it's not quite accurate. The, the reality is that you can actually earn different crowns. Now, now I'm closing, so, so don't miss this. This is so important. You can earn different crowns in heaven. That when you get to heaven, different crowns can be awarded to your life. And the Bible speaks of five different crowns that we can be awarded. And they're all based on what we do here on earth. The first one is called the crown of righteousness. Paul spoke about it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, where he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Listen to what Paul said. He said, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I, I, you know, I finished the race. I kept the faith. And, and he says, now I get the crown of righteousness. That is going to be awarded to me. You see, people who receive this crown, they don't quit because of circumstances. That's why they get the crown of righteousness. Because they're not quitters. They serve the kingdom through the good times and they serve the kingdom through the bad times. They are productive. When no one else will, these people will. And you've met them in your life. It doesn't matter if the church is going good or if the church is going bad. These people are faithful to a church. And God says, I am going to give you the crown of righteousness. You have run the race. You have finished the race. You fought the good fight. You kept the faith. And they serve when no one else will. They keep serving. For time's sake, I'm just going to run through these, but I challenge you, please, look in your Bibles. You will find these crowns. The second one is called the imperishable crown. The imperishable crown. This is for people who overcome temptation and they practice self-control. How many of you know that, that that's a struggle for many people in their lives? And the people that, that are successful with this, God says, if you have overcome temptation and you practice self-control, you will get the imperishable crown. The third one is called the crown of life. This is for people who endure patiently through their trials. We are going to see so many martyrs in heaven that they will be wearing the crown of life upon 
upon their heads because they have endured the trials. The fourth one is called the crown of glory. And godly leaders who cared for God's flock will get the crown of glory. Let me tell you, I'm just going to let you into a secret. I'm holding out for this one. I am praying that I qualify for this. That as a godly leader, that I have cared for God's flock and that one day he will put the crown of glory on my head. And finally, the fifth crown that is mentioned is called the crown of rejoicing. It's also referred to as the soul winner's crown. Paul earned this crown after winning the Thessalonians to Christ. And here's the good news. Everybody in this room can earn this crown. All of us have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ. And if you led anyone to Christ, when you get to heaven, you get the crown of rejoicing, the soul winner's crown on your head. Now, now I know what some of you are thinking. Why do we need more than one crown? We've already told that we are going to rule and reign with Jesus, so obviously we need crowns, right? I mean, if, if, you, if you're going to rule and reign, you need a crown. We know that. But what am I going to do with all these crowns? You know, do they come in different colors to where they match my shoes, you know? Is that, is... There is this thing that the Catholic Church has had, and they don't use it as much now as they, as they used to, but I think one was actually made in 2011 for the Pope. And it's reserved just for popes. And it's called the papal tiara. And if you ever Google it, if you ever see a picture of the papal tiara, it is, it, it is a stack of crowns. And it's, it's high. I mean, it's like a tower. It's a high honor that they put upon the pope's head. I don't know if it's going to be like that. But man, if there's an opportunity, I want a stack of crowns on my head. And I won't even have to worry about it messing up my hair. Because when I take it off in heaven, my hair is just going to poof right back into place. It's just right. That's what I'm holding out for, man. I'm telling you. I'm working this side of heaven not to obtain my salvation, but to obtain the rewards once I get to heaven. Because you see, there are, there's a purpose for each and every crown that you will, will, will earn. Some of you are, are, are thinking, man, I just want to make it to heaven, Pastor. I can care less about having rewards or crowns. No, there is a purpose for every crown. And once you realize what that purpose is, it will make you want to earn it even more. You will work your rear end off this side of heaven to make sure that you get more and more crowns in your life. Because Revelation 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, and verses 10 and 11, Revelation 4, 10 and 11 says, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives who and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns. You hear that? They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Let me ask you this. If you only obtain salvation, and that's all you have, and man, thank God if you have. If that's all you have, though, when you get before the throne of God, how will you worship him? What will you have to offer him if you don't have a crown to lay at his feet? If you don't work for any other reason, it's to earn those crowns so that when you get to heaven, you get to lay those crowns down at the foot of the throne with your whole heart saying, God, I submit to you. You saved my life and now everything that I've done, I lay that at your feet because it's because of you that I have eternal life. You see, your worship experience in heaven has to be so much greater when you have crowns to lay at the feet of the, of the throne.
my daughter recently had to take the ACT. Don't tell her that I'm telling you this because I didn't ask her, and I usually do ask my kids, but just don't tell her. She got all the way over to Trenton where she had to take the ACT, and she forgot her ID. And so her mom had to rush over there with the ID and take the ID. And the ID is what gets you in. You see, our ID is through Christ Jesus. That gets us in. We're Christians. We get in. But imagine walking in and you're, you're not prepared. You don't have a pencil. You don't have the proper calculator. You don't have all that stuff. You have nothing to offer. That's what I don't want to happen. I don't want to get to heaven. I'm not satisfied with just making it to heaven. When I get to heaven, I want to have something to offer my Lord and Savior. I want to walk in. And I want to take those crowns off my head and I want to lay them at the foot of the cross. And it doesn't say you leave them there. I have a feeling I'm going to be able to pick them back up, put them back on, walk around. You're going to see me walking around with all the crowns on my head. But next time it's called to worship, I get to go back to the throne and I get to lay them down again. So I'm asking you one more time. What will you have to offer Jesus when you worship him in heaven? Have you earned the rewards and the crowns this side of glory? Do you have anything to offer him when you stand and kneel before his throne? That in itself makes me want to grab a broom, makes me want to wipe a kid's nose. That all in itself, just knowing I have something else to lay at his feet makes me want to give something to the poor. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.